Kobe Bryant once had a wish to die young and be immortalized like Tupac Shakur. I'll go and break it down for you guys. Let's get it. What up guys, it's your boy DJ Scanless here, and we're back with another video. For this one, I'm going to break down this recent news about Kobe Bryant and his fascination with death that he had early on in his career, and how it overall changed once he had a family and children down the line. I found this article fascinating, and it's all over Fox News and as well as CNN and, and other websites such as that. But I found this great article on CCN. The title reads, Kobe Bryant's wish to die young sounds eerily similar to another LA icon. In a recent interview with The Jump, Tracy McGrady, a longtime rival and friend of Kobe Bryant, revealed that Kobe used to say that he wanted to die young. Bryant's prediction of an early death sounds similar to that of Tupac Shakur. One day after Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna's heartbreaking deaths, as well as seven others, Tracy McGrady made an appearance on ESPN to share some surprising insights. A tearful McGrady who was close to Kobe Bryant said that Kobe used to tell him all the time that he wanted to die young. This sounds crazy, but Kobe spoke this. He used to tell me all the time, I want to die young. I want to be immortalized, you know? I want to have my career be better than Michael Jordan, and I want to die young. And here's a brief clip here. This sounds crazy, but Kobe spoke this. He spoke this. He used to say all the time, I want to die young. And really? I thought he was cra He used to say, I want to die young. I want to be immortalized, and, you know, I want to have my career be better than Michael Jordan and I want to die young. And I just thought he was just so crazy for saying that. Hearing you say, oh, I want to die young, I want to be a legend, that's totally in line with young Kobe. But older Kobe, the Kobe that you and I spent the last year watching, the 40, 41-year-old Kobe, he wanted to be around, especially for his family. Much like Kobe Bryant, Tupac Shakur also visualized his own death. In 1995, Tupac Shakur released a song entitled If I Die Tonight. Lyrics from the song in detail and I hope they bury me and send me to my rest. Headlines reading Murder to Death, My Last Breath. On another track that he did with Richie Rich, he says, I've been shot and murdered. Can't tell you happened word for word, but best believe they're going to get what they deserve. Then released a couple days after his passing was his I Ain't Man at your video, which he wrapped in a white suit, basically appearing as if he was an angel from heaven. And then also in 2016, a top U.S. journalist has told for the first time how he interviewed the Harlem-born rapper as he laid in a hospital bed after being shot in 1994. The war-winning A.J. Benza, who worked for the New York Daily News, said Tubac chillingly said that his days were numbered. He revealed Tubac told me he was going to die young. I remember being at the hospital bedside after the first shooting and he said not this time, but it's coming. And for me, I found this to be really kind of crazy that Kobe Bryant also had this type of fantasy as well early on in his career and basically he wanted to because I think he probably seen that Tupac died at the height of his career even though Tupac had many years left and he was also selling records like hotcakes you know five million records for all eyes on me even while alive so we can't really pinpoint if Dallas Tupac's height of his career or if it far exceeded that but a lot of people think that when Tupac died, he became immortalized, and that's why a lot of people consider him the GOAT, but I think he had so much more to give the world, as well as his acting career in Hollywood, and also owning his own record labels and things like that. But I feel like at that time, Kobe felt like if he died young too, that he'll be held in such regard in the same light and the same way as well. But I think for me, that opens the door for so many what-if scenarios, because there was a player from the Celtics that was drafted in the 80s that was... Supposed to be as good as Michael Jordan. His name was Len Bias. And he passed away from an overdose, I believe, a day or two after he was actually drafted by Celtics. But that's always going to be a what-if scenario. What if he stayed alive? What if Celtics would have beat the Bulls in the 90s? And 
basically derailed Michael Jordan from ever getting six rings. So him dying young as well as Reggie Lewis from the Celtics are always going to be what if scenarios. So if Kobe Bryant would have died at 27 or 30, we would still be having that what if scenario. If he stayed alive, how many titles he would have won, if he would have exceeded Michael Jordan. So I can see it in that regard that he wanted that at one time. But I think the overall reason why I wanted to cover this, because it's more evident now that as he got older and he had children, that the fantasy of dying young changed and he found more reason to live for and he found basically a new passion in life. And now it's more being there for his family and watching his family grow and become the people that they want to be. So he went from early on in his career being all about really himself, his accolades, his titles. He would always get the comparison that if he's better than Michael Jordan or not. So I felt like he really had to live up to that when playing because everybody would always compare his playing style to Michael Jordan and everyone would always bring up the title difference how many rings each other has. But once he started having family, I feel like those rewards and accolades and stats became secondary. And this is more evident by all the pictures that we've seen with his family opening the Mamba Sports Academy and trying to be a teacher to a new wave or a new generation of players. And I think that's an amazing thing because I think as a fan in his younger days, I don't think we really expected that. We don't really see many players transitioning into businessmen, winning Oscars, Also opening academies and sports complexes and things like that after their retirement. And Kobe was doing all those things and to a high level. And I think that's really a big reason why so many people are so heartbroken over this tragedy. And I am too because I've been watching Kobe Bryant on the Lakers since I was 8 years old. You know, I was born in 1988. I'm 31 years old now. My favorite team growing up was the Charlotte Hornets. You know, because they had Tyrone Bogues. And that was the first NBA hat I got. I was like three years old for my aunt and you know I just loved him because Tyrone Bogues, Muggsy Bogues was very relatable because he was short. It seemed like a young kid playing in the grown man's league so he was very relatable and I loved their colors and that was my favorite team and obviously Kobe Bryant got drafted by them and then traded to the Lakers but at that time I didn't really understand the draft and trades or anything like that but it's kind of ironic because the Charlotte Hornets end up moving the team to New Orleans and that's when I started hating the team because I followed them because they're the Charlotte Hornets. And once you move them away, it's like you're disrespecting and pissing on that geographic location, that place, you know. So I felt like that was a big slap in the face. So I started searching for a new team. And my favorite player in the league was Kobe Bryant at that time. So I became an instant Lakers fan. And I followed him ever since I was eight years old, nine years old. And he was just really a larger than life superstar. A lot of people a little bit older than me and some people my age will say, well, Michael Jordan was the better player. He has more rings. But they don't really understand that Kobe Bryant for my generation, maybe a little bit younger, that's all they ever known or that's all they ever seen. For me, I didn't get to see Michael Jordan's whole career. I was born in 88, so I missed the beginning of his career. And by the time 96, 97, 98 came around, we weren't really watching much basketball. We didn't have cable. We didn't have NBA ticket or anything like that. We didn't have streaming services back then. So it's harder to watch games back then. So I feel like I missed out on a lot of Michael Jordan's games. But by the time Kobe and, and Shaq were together and dominating, that's when we were able to get cable and have the internet and watch online and things like that. So when people compare Michael Jordan to Kobe and they say Michael Jordan's better, I think it's a bit unfair because they don't realize that not everybody got to watch Michael Jordan play. Some people only got to see Kobe or they only got to see Michael Jordan from the Wizards. But when I say Kobe Ryan's like the Michael Jordan of my generation or of our generation, that's what that means. So it's been really hard for me to make content 
last couple days because honestly, he was my favorite player of all time. And it's just so shocking and I would never have expected anything like this to happen. And it's even more heartbreaking for me that seven others were lost as well as his daughter, which has so much potential in the world. She was already doing his fadeaway jump shots and looking like a young Kobe from the 90s, you know? And I feel like she had the whole world in her hands and she would have taken female basketball to an all new level with Kobe right behind her and getting more male involvement in the sport because it's Kobe and his daughter. So I feel like we got robbed at. So on a certain level, I think that Kobe didn't need to die young, you know, in his 20s or 30s like he wanted to, to be immortalized because I feel like he already proved how great he was by playing, by playing out his whole career. And what's really crazy to me is Kobe thought that dying young would immortalize him but all his achievements all his accolades being a great father doing great things for the community fulfilling 200 make a wish wishes i think forever immortalized him far beyond what he ever expected and far beyond what he thought was possible without having to die young so guys what does kobe mean to you he was a great father had incredible amounts of talent insane work ethic and just a devoted hard-working man i think that's really missing in basketball we don't see a lot of people with his killer instinct mentality, as well as his devotion and, and passion for the game as well. And I was one of those day one Kobe fans, you know. Any type of video game, I would pick Kobe and the Lakers all the time. Anytime I would play 4 on 4 or 5 on 5 at the youth center in my neighborhood, we would always say who we were athlete wise, and I would always pick Kobe Bryant because he was my favorite player. And the same with tossing paper in the trash can or some socks in the laundry bin, everybody would just scream out, Kobe, 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 all the time. But I think that really, if there's a good thing that comes out of this, I feel like hopefully more young kids are more exposed to Kobe's career and they want to look more into his life, his interviews, study his game. Because it's so easy for some athletes to get lost in translation once they get retired because not every game is fully accessible on the internet yet. But hopefully more kids get more invested into studying him and his life and actually learn from it. Because Kobe went through so many trials and tribulations, but he always put forth the effort and tried to be there for his family and do everything he possibly could to keep his family together. And that's one thing I always respect about him. And even though he had 500 to $800 million, he still always put family first. So yeah, young Kobe, he wanted to die young and be bigger than Michael Jordan. But as years went on, he found something else to live for. And now it's his family. So guys, if you don't have nothing to live for now, just keep on. Keep trying. Be patient. You might find something to live for sooner than you think. Alright guys, I know I've been kind of slacking here lately. You know, the whole Kobe Bryant passing has really hit me hard. Being as a fan, it really has made it to the point where I didn't really feel like creating any new content the last week. But I'm going to try to get out of that funk right now and get into a new groove. There hasn't been really any new Tupac news or Eminem news, but I found something with Snoop Dogg that's very newsworthy and you don't really see it anywhere on Google News or any hip-hop related websites. So this is Snoop Dogg's official Instagram account and this was a post that he made around February 2nd or February 3rd, 2020. He posted an image that says, The man who created the super soaker, Lonnie Johnson, was awarded $72.9 million in a Hasbro settlement for unpaid royalties. The super soaker is the world's best-selling toy. But what that really says is that, you know, Lonnie Johnson created the item, the product, 
of the Super Soaker, and Hasbro failed to pay him royalties based on that throughout the years. So they actually owned him that much money, which is crazy for a little toy. And Snoop Dogg had a caption under this picture saying, Hasbro, I need my doggy style album masters and the Death Row catalog. Let's stop playing and break some bread or take dead before I get loud. Then we got Tyrese commenting, whoa, doggy style master and DR catalog, whoa. So you guys could take this for what it is, but I think this is really just Snoop Dogg clapping at Hasbro saying, you just paid out 72 million. You might as well sell the Doggy Style Masters and all the other Snoop Dogg Death Row albums and releases back to him. If I was a musician like Snoop Dogg, I wouldn't want my songs owned by a toy company, you know, so I can definitely see why he wants his songs back. And for someone like Snoop Dogg, he's not worth the same as Dr. Dre. He's not worth a billion dollars. Google says over $125 million, but who knows how much his net worth actually is. He would definitely love to get royalties for his original albums that he released on Death Row. But also, it would be a great way for him to actually use his material in movies and documentaries and a biopic about his life. He wouldn't have to go to Hasbro to get a licensing agreement and actually pay for usage of the songs. The crazy part though is Death Row has been going through bankruptcy over and over again or being resold to other companies. They went through bankruptcy around 2008-2009. A Canadian company called Wide Awake bought them, I believe just under $20 million. And then they ended up selling to Entertainment One for around $280 million. Now it's unknown if that's the real ballpark of the Death Row catalog or if they just really overpriced it. But then this year, Hasbro actually bought out the whole company of Entertainment One, which included the Death Row catalog, as well as Entertainment One's child-oriented content, you know, cartoons like Peppa Pig. And Death Row just happened to be a part of that deal. I don't think Hasbro even wanted anything to do with Death Row. It was just a, basically like a sub-label under a major label. It was just like a little bonus caveat. From what I know is Entertainment One is still acting as their own company on their own behalf. They're just owned by a larger company, now Hasbro. But it's unclear how they would go about getting the rights or getting the permission to actually release Death Row era content from Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Danny Boy, Jewel, Michelle, OFTB, and other artists like that. They may actually have to get approval from Hasbro, we aren't too sure. But what I think is Hasbro is just going to continue to make royalties on the music not really do anything with the catalog. So selling a portion of the catalog or the entire Death Row catalog to Snoop Dogg may actually be beneficial for them. But they might actually make back tens of millions of dollars in the next couple decades just by owning the catalog. But right now they could cash out, get 20 million, or get 280 some million. Now Snoop Dogg is not worth that much, but if you partner with someone like Dr. Dre or Jimmy Iovine or Eminem, they could buy the entire Death Row catalog. And Jimmy Iovine and Universal has a lot of pull within the whole movie and music worlds. But for me, I think it would be great if Snoop Dogg actually owned his own content. Like I said, he could use it for a documentary, a biopic on his own life. Also re-releases, maybe he could actually even release his own unreleased songs and pure CDQ quality. Also remixes of those old songs as well. And maybe this may be the best way to get the Dr. Dre Death Row era content that was never released that he was working on called the Chronic 2 album. That includes the next episode original version, which sounds nothing like the retail version from the Chronic 2001. There's a lot of Dr. Dre songs and Snoop Dogg's from Death Row Air Days that you can find on YouTube that hasn't been released yet. And even though it's on YouTube, it's in degraded quality. So the only way for us to get that in like a pure album sound quality would be for an official release. And it's also beneficial for people like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg to actually gain rights to their material because it sets up their family long after their passing to make royalties on the music. As well as, like I said, licensing those songs off for movies and having remixes made for movies as well. The same thing with the Tupac catalog that the estate owns. 
The best way for them to make a profit going forward is actually releasing the music, remixing the music and releasing the originals. Then you have more songs that you can gain royalties on for decades and decades and more songs that could be in movies. If a song like Letter to the President wasn't released in 1999, it would never have been used in the movie Training Day. And they got paid for that. The same way with Untouchable being in Pacific Rim and other movies. So this is something Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre could do. Then you can see Gin and Juice, you can see the Chronic album featured in movies or remixed. You can have bonus versions with new unreleased songs. You know, it gives Snoop more songs for his own record label, a back catalog. The only way Dr. Dre would even release his old stuff is if Snoop Dogg encouraged him to do so. Because Dr. Dre is a perfectionist, you know. Even though the songs may sound great to us, it may not sound great to him and he may want to add stuff. And he might not even want to work on songs that are 30 years old. But there's still so much left, I wish they would just buy it or do a partnership and release the material. I'm still waiting for Snoop Dogg and Tupac, Street Life, If There's a Cure, just watching to be released too. I don't know why we gotta wait decades for that shit. But like I said in other videos, Hasbro does not own the unreleased Tupac content. So even if Snoop Dogg bought the entire catalog, he would not own the unreleased Tupac. He would own All Eyes on Me and Machiavelli albums and the Gridlock and Gang Related soundtracks and Above the Rim and those Tupac songs that were featured on those albums and releases, but he would not own Until Then Time, Better Days, Pac's Life, and any of the songs that appeared on The Greatest Hits that wasn't a part of All Eyes of Me or Machiavelli. And the unreleased content went to the estate. So even then, Snoop Dogg would have to partner with the Tupac estate and Universal to do anything with his unreleased content that features Tupac. Even if he doesn't have $280 million or some partnerships with other people like Dr. Dre or Eminem, most likely he can buy his own catalog from Hasbro which just features his unreleased music and released music. And like I said before, Universal has a lot of pull. They can partner with Hasbro releasing toys and movies and things like that. And that may be a way to actually convince them to sell the catalog to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre or Eminem or whoever. Anyways, guys, drop your comments below how you feel about this video and about Snoop Dogg owning the Death Row catalog and his official masters from the Doggy Style and the Dogfather album. This is DJ Scanlon signing out. Peace out.